Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Amen. You can open your Bibles, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And let me express my appreciation to Kyle for covering for me last week while I was on vacation. We had a great vacation. And uh, while on vacation, if you're a preacher, you, you, you just can't get enough of God's word. And, and man, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was on a Disney cruise ship, all right? And uh, I would have rather been here preaching. I mean, that's just, it, I'm telling you, I thought about just having a service on a cruise ship. Because they about all lost, you know. So we couldn't go nowhere. Had a captive audience, man. It was good. And uh, so I'm glad to get back. I'm excited. I've been excited about this message for weeks because I've learned a lot. And the Lord's blessed me. And I hope today that you're encouraged by God's conclusion to his book. You know, you've heard the expression, uh, saved the best for last. Well, tell your neighbor, God saved the best for last. And when I say the best, I mean it is some kind of best. And, and uh, so, so we, we've covered the book of Revelation, and man, I, uh, I kind of hate to see it come to a close, but I'm, I'm ready for something new, okay? And we're going to see a new thing today. And in fact, that's the title of the message, A New Thing. Now, several years ago, in fact, several, 1971, some of us my age and older will remember this well, there was an ex-Beatle member uh, named John Lennon who crafted a song. And he and his, I don't know, girlfriend, wife, whatever she was, Yoko, sat down at the piano and he put this song together in about 30 minutes, one sitting. And it became his most popular single hit as a, as a solo artist. 1971, the song is called Imagine. And the words go like this, and you'll remember the tune in your head. I ain't going to sing it because <laughs> it wouldn't match the tune that he sang it in. I would create some notes. It says, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It's, it isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. You know the song I'm Okay, well, it's a great song. There's only one problem with this song. It is theologically an absolute lie. There's nothing about that song that comes from this book or comes from God. In fact, Psalm 14 would not say that John Lennon was a dreamer. Psalm 14 would declare that John Lennon was a fool. Because the Bible says to deny God is to claim your foolishness. To deny there is a God, you become a fool. You say, well, he didn't deny God. He denied the truth of God's word. And if God's word is not true, then God is not God. You see, God's word and God, God's truth and God cannot be separated. They are eternally linked together. And this book and that song are not even close to the same theology, okay? And so we're going to talk about <clears throat> that today because regarding what John Lennon said, no hell below us and above us only sky, God weighed into that. God weighed in to the reality 
of two very real destinies, only two, only two prospective locations you will spend your eternal uh, uh, destiny, and one is heaven and one is hell. And today we're going to see a little bit about maybe where part of that is and what that looks like. And I'm very excited about it. I'm not saying it's all exactly right, but it's all scriptural as best as I can tell it. There's some people who would say, well, there's things that are of God that are spiritual and we're just not to know. That's true. But there's also things that God has revealed through his holy word and the things that he reveals we're to know. Come back over here. We're to know. Okay. And we're going to see some things that quite honestly, I didn't know. And if you already knew what we learned today, praise Jesus for you. But why didn't you tell me? Because I'm the preacher. I need to know. Okay. And so hopefully today you will be enlightened about the whole idea of heaven, man, what that looks like. Because it's going to be a good, good thing. There's a, the idea of an eternal destiny, something after this life is not something we fabricated. It's not something just for Americans. It's not something for Jews. It is global and it has been in every culture that's ever existed the idea of an afterlife and you know you've done it maybe when a baby is born you think about life maybe when somebody you love passes away you think about life maybe when you go through midlife crisis and you turn 40 or 50 or whatever number kind of messes you up and you're like oh I'm getting older maybe when you get out of high school or college you don't have a job Okay, and you have this idea what's life really all about and what's eternity all about. Well, the truth is everybody has eternity in their system, in their DNA. It's placed within us. It's kind of funny doing some research. The Australian Aborigines, they believe heaven is a distant land beyond the horizon. The Finns believe that heaven is a far eastern island. Mexicans, Peruvians, and Polynesians, they go to the moon or the sun when they die. Native Americans, I think they set the bar a little low, but they believe after life, your spirit hunts the spirit of buffalo. I'm not in for that one. I don't really turn my crank. Okay. In the pyramids of Egypt, when they would embalm a body and mummify it, they would put it in a pyramid or in a tomb, and they would put guides into the future to help them navigate into the afterlife. So we're not the only ones that, that think of this thing called heaven. Ecclesiastes 3.11 confirms the reality that all of us think at some point about eternity. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, it says, God has made everything appropriate in its time. God also has set eternity in their heart. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. You know what that says? God has placed the idea, the concept, the, the, the philosophy, if you will, of an eternity. He's placed it in your heart. That deep within every person that's ever walked on the planet, there is something in us that wonders about out there, that wonders about what happens after we have spent this life that God has been so gracious in giving us. Now, as Christians, sometimes when we think about heaven, we get accused of some things. We get accused of believing in the idea that there's a pie in the sky in the by and by when we die. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of how you look at it, you know? Well, it's not pie in the sky in the by and by when we die. It's a real place. I want you to understand, it is a real place inhabited by a real God. Amen. Led by a real Savior, King Jesus. Why would all that realness exist? Because it's a home for real people like us, those redeemed in Jesus. We'll be real people in a real place with a real king 
looking at a real God. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. That's, I, I'm excited. I can stop right there, but I ain't going to. Okay? Because it gets even better. Uh, often when somebody has this spiritual uh, nature to them, when they, when they kind of develop and they get excited about the spiritual things, sometimes they get a little lofty. They get a little arrogant, and they seem a little high of themselves, you know? And so people accuse them of being so, that person, they're just so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. I want you to understand something today. Unless you have the right mindset about heaven, you are no earthly good. In fact, to be earthly good, you need to understand and have a good mindset about what heaven really is. Because when you get what God has done and what Jesus is preparing for you, it should change the dimension of this life that you live. Because when you get what we're getting ready to see in just a minute, when you get that, it changes the moments, the seasons of your life when things aren't going well. When you get that bad announcement, that bad doctor's report, when somebody you love uh, uh, turns on you, when children are wayward and rebellious, uh, those bad, when you lose your job, those things that just bad happen in life, if you can set your mind above that and place them on greater things, then it tempers and changes the way we navigate through the bad things in this life. Now you say, well, I just don't know if we ought to be doing that. Well, you, you don't have to. You can disobey the Bible. Here's what it says in Colossians 3, beginning in verse 2. It says, set your minds on things above, not on things on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, it changes. It lets us, sometimes, everybody tap your chin a little bit. See, sometimes that's what we need to do in this life. When we get down, we start looking, get frustrated, get man of devil, just he weighs down on you. Sometimes we just need an awareness. We need to just tap our chin a little bit. Oh, my bad, Lord, I was looking at the wrong thing. All right? And this is one of those messages that helps us accomplish that thing. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, he said this. He said, to aim at heaven, you will get earth thrown in. But if you aim at earth, you get neither. That's really powerful. That's really true. Now, we're talking about heaven. So I want you to understand when you talk about heaven, heaven's not a new idea. It's in God's word over 500 times, 50 times in Revelation alone. There's three heavens, generally speaking, referred to in God's word. There's the first heaven, which is the atmosphere that we breathe. It's the earth's atmosphere where clouds hang out and where birds fly and where we breathe. The second heaven is called the stellar heavens where planets, the sun, the stars, where they float and spin in existence. And then the third is a unique heaven, the dwelling place of God, where good angels, that's those who have not corrupted themselves and become demons, and the saints of God, where we will take abode for all of eternity. Man, that's good. It's good. Now, now, this is what's cool about this book, all right? Uh, this book begins with two good chapters and ends with two good chapters, and everything in the middle is, 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 is broken. I want you to get this truth because this is powerful. God has given us his eternal, infallible, inerrant word. The first two chapters, there's no Satan, there's no evil, and it's good. God said six times, it's good. I made that, that's good. It's good. But then chapter three, everything falls apart. It's corrupted by the enemy. It stays corrupted until the last two chapters of the last book in this book. Revelation 21 and 22, he makes it all good again. He restores it to its original condition plus some. Now, that's good. So here's what it looks like. You got two beautiful chapters of God making 
this earth. You got two beautiful chapters of God remaking this earth and uniting it with heaven. And all those chapters in the middle, listen, is God's work at introducing himself and redeeming what is broken about this earth. Isn't that, and it's kind of sad, isn't it? When mankind fell, he fell far and he fell hard and, and creation went with him. And it took the rest of this book for God to work it out. But I want to tell you something about God. He's got a plan, and it's a good plan. Before Genesis began, he already knew what was going to happen in Revelation. He knows it all, past, present, future, as if it's happening in a moment. That's the kind of God we serve. He's big. He's bigger than we can understand, bigger than we can comprehend. I, I run into people sometimes that act like they got God all figured out. Let me just tell you something. You ain't got him figured out. And if you've got him figured out, he ain't God. Because if you can figure him out, you've just elevated you to God. I like a God that is beyond anything I can fathom. A God bigger than anything I can imagine. A God bigger than anything I can grasp or, or, or hold in my hands. I want a God that's so big, it scares me. And that's the kind of God I have because that's the kind of God he is. Amen, Brother Joel. I'll just say it myself. Now, Isaiah 46.10 says of God, declaring the end from the beginning... And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. So you remember I said God knew everything before it happens. He knew everything, everything in that book. He knew it was going to happen. Okay, he knew the script. He, he had it all written out. He knew, he knew how he was going to respond. It's not like he wake up, man, I didn't know he was going to do that, guys. Come in here, team, Holy Spirit, son, Jesus, my son. How, well, how are we going to change? What's our new strategy? No, no new strategy. Same strategy has existed for eternity past and will exist for eternity future. Listen how what, what, what gets its origin in Genesis 1 and 2 finds its conclusion in Revelation 21, 22. Or I should say 1 through 3 of Genesis. Heaven and earth are created, Genesis 1, 1. A new heavens and a new earth recreated in Revelation 21. The sun is created in Genesis 1. No need for a sun in Revelation 21. The night is established, Genesis 1. No night in heaven in Revelation 22. The sea is created, Genesis 1. No more seas needed, Revelation 21. The curse is announced in Genesis 3. No more curse in Revelation 22. Death enters history, Revelation, excuse me, Genesis 3. Death exits history, Revelation 21. Man dr is driven from paradise, Genesis 3. Man is restored to paradise, Revelation 22. Sorrow and pain begin, uh, Genesis 3. Sorrow, tears, and pain end and are wiped away, Revelation 21. The devil shows up, Genesis 3. The devil disappears, Revelation 20. Everything that began finds its conclusion beautifully, as God would have it, at the end of this book. And that's where we are. Now, it's good to know that there's a plan, but I want you to know more. I want you to see today that God's enormous plan the magnitude of his plan reaches right down into your particular world. I never saw this before. I want to show you something today. All that God does, he wants to engage and include you in it. Tell your neighbor, he's talking to you. Now watch this. We're going to see <clears throat> what this whole idea of heaven, new heaven, new earth looks like. But before we get there, I want you to understand why this is important. And here's why. I'm going to give you a happy, uh, 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 what's the word I want to call it? I'll give you a happy notice, a memo. You're dying. Tell your neighbor, you're dying. Tell your neighbor, may not be far off. Thought I'd encourage you a little bit. 
All right? How do I know you're dying? Because we are all dying of a thing called life. And it is one, life is 100% fatal, short of the return of Christ. Now listen to me. It, right now during this service, about an hour long, 9,000 people will die during this service. And I'm praying it ain't none of us. But it could be, okay? 9,000 people will die during this one hour. 53 million people die each year, okay? I mean, it's a lot of people. It is the only thing, the only thing that is as certain as death is birth. <laughs> and unfortunately, you already checked that one off. That only leaves you with the other one, okay? So we're all dying. And so to think about that reality and where we're going to be when this life is spent is a very, very important, sobering, valuable question to ask ourselves. But I don't want us to ask ourselves and answer ourselves. I want us to ask that question and allow the Holy Spirit to answer the question for us. Because you don't want to miss what he's got in store for the redeemed. You see, the reality of heaven is an eternal, amazing, blissful, peaceful place in the presence of God and other saints. And it's only for those who are born again, those who are redeemed in Jesus. And the other destiny, hell, everybody outside of that. It's just that simple. God knew who he was dealing with when he created us. God knew who he was dealing with when he gave us his word. It is just this simple. Two destinies when we leave this world. And we talked about hell a, few, a little bit two weeks ago. So today we're going to talk about the good side, heaven. I like it a whole lot better. Today's message is called A New Thing. A New Thing. Now, the first point in today's message is a new world to live in. A new world to live in. Revelation 21, I'm going to begin in verses 1 and 2. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had ceased to exist, and the sea even existed no more. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, made ready like a bride adorned for her husband. All right. I'm going to give you one of my revelations that God gave me this week, and I, it's just real, and, and, and it's not new to me. It's not, I, I don't have something different. I'm, I just, I understand, I think God's word better than I did before. When it talks about new heaven and new earth and a new Jerusalem, I was the guy for most of my life that believed that God was just going to go, man, that earth is bad, and just, just destroy the atomic structure of the whole thing, just into oblivion, just obliterate the whole thing, and then whisper a brand new one. And, I'm, and heaven is good, but I'm going to make it better. It's gone, and I'm going to make a brand new one. That's what I kind of thought it meant when it said new, and the old one has passed away. Well, in studying this week, I don't think that's right at all. I don't think he's doing away with the old. In fact, I'm quite certain of it. I think he's going to resurrect the old, because that's what he does. Now, watch this. The word new in this passage, new heaven, new earth, new city, new Jerusalem, the word new is a Greek word. I'm not a Greek scholar. I tell you all the time. You can look up Greek, go to Gateway Bible, go to Mounts, Interlinear Greek, and it'll give you the English, the Greek. You can click the Greek word. It'll tell you what it is. It'll tell you what it means. It's just that simple. In the original language, the word for new is kainos. Kainos does not mean new in time. Kainos means renovated and of a higher excellence or order. Okay. So he says, I'm going to make an earth, I'm going to make it better. 
I'm going to make it a higher order. He says, I'm going to take the earth and whisper on it and make it better than you've ever seen it. I'm going to restore, redeem, and resurrect the one that's already there. And that's truly, I believe, what it means. Now, now how can we get a picture of that? What does that look like? Because that's kind of lofty. That's out there, right? Well, let's look at what he does for humanity. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, so then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, what is new has come. Those two times that you see the word new, you know what the Greek word, what the Greek word is? Kainos, same word. Now listen to me. When I was a 10-year-old boy sitting in that little church and that preacher came and preached the gospel, uh, I, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He invited me to his presence. And I knew it was good. I knew it was what I needed. I knew it. I knew as a sinner. I knew I needed a savior. And I was scared to death. I walked down there and, 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 and asked Jesus to come into my life. And in that twinkling of a moment right there, the Holy Spirit sealed me and indwelled me, and I was changed. All right. He saved me in that moment. Now listen, in that moment, God didn't whisper down and obliterate and in me into oblivion and just when I was gone and then now there's a whole nother kid standing up there in the front. No, it was the same ignorant, ugly little kid standing up there, but he had a heart change. Same word, same thing he did to me, he's going to do to this earth. He's going to take the brokenness, the sin curse, the fallenness, everything bad about this earth, and he's going to obliterate it. And he's going to whisper new life into this earth. Now, I I don't know. That just kind of gets me a little bit excited because he's going to make it all good. Why? When God created you, he created you with a physical existence. Look next to you. Ain't no spirits sitting next to you. There might be a demon floating around in here because they're real, but there's no spirits of people sitting in here. It's flesh and blood. Spirit still containing in that. The spirit is still contained in that body. Okay. Why then is he going to resurrect your old body one day? I was thinking about this. I got excited about resurrected body because I was telling somebody, they, they said, well, you, you look like you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, looks can be deceiving. Okay, screws in my knees, artificial tendons. Okay, got an artificial hip, scar in my back from emergency back surgery, had a hernia right here. Okay, yeah, life is good. Okay, I look forward to a new one. And it's on order, just hadn't shipped yet. Okay. But I was thinking about it. There's people in this, I, this, this, this tickled me. I was, I was sitting on a cruise ship thinking about it. And you know, there's people, you know, they say you'll be recognized when you're in heaven. You'll be known for how you're known here. And there's a lot of people that are real fake. I know women, you know, they got uh, artificial everything. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> artificial hair color. Okay. Teeth. Eye makeup on, every looks like, you know, some of them look like dress, you know, dress for Halloween, okay? Artific- I don't know how I'm going to know them when to heaven. I close my eyes and listen to the voice. Oh, I, I recognize the voice because you ain't you. And then I thought about, are they going to, you know, are they going to go back to their normal state when they get there? I just, that's, that just kind of makes me think, you know? Of course, I know I'm weird. It's okay. I'm the pastor. I can be weird. I can be weird, all right? But I was thinking about it. Why is God going to resurrect my body? Why is he going to give me? A new hip. Why is he going to give me new knees? Why is he going to give me a new everything? Because he's creating a new earth and a new heaven for my new body to dwell in. He's going to resurrect this earth so my resurrected body can be on this resurrected earth with my resurrected Savior for all of eternity. I'm telling you right now, you might, that might have went right over your head. Maybe you already knew it and you ain't impressed, but you should be. 
a resurrected Savior, resurrecting a new world so he can hang out with his resurrected saints, me and you. That excites me. I don't care to tell you, okay? I and if none of y'all go and I'm the only one there, I'm going to have a good time, me and Jesus, okay? I want you to go. He's inviting you to go, okay? So, so anyway, he, he, he's created this thing. Now, let's talk about it because this is exciting. So, so, so what is the earth and heaven? But, oh, because it said a new heaven. And did you notice what the heaven is doing? It's descending to this earth. Now, some want to speculate because we don't know for sure, but it's, it, it, this is what it says. It descends, this new city descends to a new earth, okay? Now, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, after all of the uh, judgments placed on the, on the globe, the sea is dried up. I believe it's created that canopy that was here in, before the flood because people can live for a thousand years. That's what it says. This is before the new city and before the new earth. But it's changed. Everything's changed. The, 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 the valleys are raised up. The mountains are lowered. That's what the prophets say. So it's a different world already. But I want you to know this is kind of what the world looks like. Okay? Now, I'm going to use this as an illustration because I want you to get a, a, a kind of a, an idea of what this really looks like. Okay, so this is, this is a representative of our globe. This globe, if you cut it right in the middle and measured from here to here, the, the diameter, it's 7,917 miles across the diameter, okay? It's big. It's a big old place. 75% of it right now is covered in water. Only 25% of this thing people can live on, okay? And so... It's a, a big place. And, uh, <clears throat> and so out of nowhere now, in this big old earth, the Bible says that the new city is going to descend. A new heaven is going to come down. Some believe it's going to attach. And some believe it's going to be hovering above us. Yeah, isn't that cool? You're saying, you just made that up. No, I did. I'm going to show you. Okay? Now, this is, this, isn't, this is in the right, this is proportionately accurate. This, the Bible says in verse 15, listen to what it says, verse 15. It says, the angel who spoke to me, he had a golden measuring rod with which to measure the city, the new city. And it's foundation stones and the wall. Now, the city is laid out a square. Ultimately, you'll see it's a cube, okay? And its length and its width are the same. And he measured it. And depending on what translation you look at, it's 1,400 miles or 1,500 miles square. It's pretty big. I'll tell you how big in just a second. And then he said he also measured the wall, the height of it, and it was 144 cubits, which is also 14 to 1,500 miles tall. So how big is this? Okay, this is, this is the earth, and how big is 1,400 miles? If you were in Key West, Florida, and you drove to Niagara Falls, it's about 1,400 miles. If you were in Knoxville, Tennessee, and you drove to El Paso, Texas, it's about 1,400 miles wide. So just so you'll know, if this cube city, 1,400 miles, comes and lands in America, it's going to cover up about two-thirds of America, okay? That's how big it is. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, well, Brother Joe, I thought heaven was going to be much bigger. Okay. Well, you're an idiot. Okay. This is big because it's a big globe. How big is this? You say, well, how's that little old cube going to hold all the people that's been saved over all the ages? It's a little old cube. No, it ain't. It's 1,400 miles cubed. How big is 1,400 mile cubed? I thought I was getting a mansion. Okay. Let me explain. You get one. You get one. Okay. 
1,400 miles square. Let's just start with the foundation, the footprint of this, of this architecture, okay? 1,400 miles square is 2 million square miles. That means in every single square mile of those 2 million miles, you can build 2,800 10,000 square foot mansions. I thought mine was going to be bigger. You don't deserve 10,000. And I'm not saying you're going to get 10,000. I'm just saying let's just break this thing down, okay? 10,000 per mile, per square mile. You know what that means? That means I'll just throw that in the floor. That's why I get mad at y'all. That's what I'll do. It means this. On every level of this new city of new heaven, 5.5 billion people can have their own mansion. And you say, well, Brother Joel, you didn't allow for the streets. You don't need no streets in heaven. You got a glorified body. You don't need a bicycle. You don't need a street. Jesus, his glorified body, he showed up at the upper room and the door was locked. You know what he did? I don't need no doorknob. I said, come on in. That's a glorified body. Jesus, when he decided to leave this planet and go home to be with the Father, he just took off. Man, I look forward to that because I am all white. I played basketball growing up. It was all I could do to, to dunk a basketball. All I could do. Now you watch them. Some of them, I think, already have part of their glorified body. I'll be honest with you. That, we got to think outside of what we know, outside the box that we know, and into the box that's coming. It's a cube. So let's just say you got 5.5 billion on the main level. It's 1,400 miles tall. I want you to understand what 1,400 miles tall is. That means if you give your mansion a 50-foot ceiling, that means you're going to have 150,000 floors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it's a lot bigger than you thought, isn't it? Okay, 150,000 floors with 50-foot ceilings with 5.5 billion people on each floor. You don't even need that many. There ain't been that many people born, okay? You don't need that many mansions. You don't need, well, maybe he's going to do 100. Okay, you get 75,000 floors. So what? Okay, we don't know exactly what it looks like. I'm just trying to get you to understand the magnitude of this thing when God wraps it up in Revelation 21 and 22. So, so now let me tell you a little bit about what the details. Because, you know, when you're going to build something, you're going to give it some prints, some, some drawings. It gives us the foundation, and then it tells us some specifications of how to build, how to build it, what it's going to include. Okay? It's going to include a gate. It's a gated community. You know, some people live their proud when they finally arrive. I live in a gated community. Okay? Well, this is bigger and better than that. It's got 12 gates. This is a 12-gated community. Okay, not only that, but listen, it's, it's main street is gold. Okay, not only that, but, uh, but it gives the specifications for what the walls look like. Now, now listen, listen to the walls because the walls kind of stoke me up too. The walls, he says, he describes in verse 18 through 21. He said, the wall is made of jasper. And the city is pure gold like transparent glass. And the foundations of the city wall are decorated with every kind of precious stone. And the first foundation is jasper. And then second sapphire. And then third agate. And then the fourth emerald. And the fifth onyx. And the sixth carnelian. And the seventh chrysolite. And the eighth beryl. And the ninth topaz. And the tenth chrysoprase. And the eleventh jacinth. And the twelfth amethyst. This, this is the foundation. This is what he's putting in the footer. Okay. And then he goes on and he said, and the gates, twelve pearls. Not made of pearls, plural, 12 big old pearls. 
okay? And then he goes on and he says the main street was like gold. So we have no idea the greatness of what this thing is that God is doing. But I just want to tell you today, it's bigger than we can imagine. Now, I like this. John 14, Jesus said this. He says, don't let your hearts be distressed. You believe in God? You believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many dwelling places or mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going away to make ready your place. Tell your neighbor he's making your place. Now, I want to pause right there. He's making your place. In the greatness of the kingdom, he's already at work making your place. Now, I want you to understand something, the greatness of that. We can't even color that. We, we, don't even have, we can't even describe that. But it took him six days, I believe literal days, to breathe everything in existence, to speak into existence everything we know, from the sun that rises in the morning to the moon that shines at night, to the f- flowers that bloom in the spring, to the birds that sing year-round, to the ocean that stops right at the shore every day, to, to the, 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 the things that we eat. He, all of that, six literal days, all of the galaxies, all of the stars, all of the heavens, doing exactly what they're supposed to do in their planetary order. He whispered that, spoke that in six little days. <laughs> He's been working on your place for 2,000 years. Yeah. Amplify that up a little bit. It's a good place. It is a good, good place. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? We have a new world all right? You get a picture of what that looks like. Now, what about how we're going to live, okay? What about how we're going to live? We got a new way. And by the way, let me say this. I, I, I hear people, and you've heard me say it before. I get frustrated. People say, well, you know, if I can just get a broom closet and glory, I'm going to be happy. You ever heard that before? I don't want no stinking broom closet. I mean, if you're going to have a broom closet, you're sweeping gold streets. I guess it's as good as you can get. I don't want a broom closet. I want to imagine for just a second, and I don't know for sure how about floors. I don't understand all that, but I just want to imagine for a second that this is thing. This thing is fourteen hundred miles tall, which, by the way, reaches into outer space. I want you to know that it's where the satellites hang out. That's the top of this thing. And I was thinking in early service. I thought, man, I don't, I don't want, I don't want this first floor. I want like on top floor. I want a room, a mansion. With a galaxy view. Not ocean view. They're dried up. Don't need it. There's no oceans left. Okay? That's why he says the seas are all dried up. I want a galaxy view. I just want, man, look at that. Wow, God, you are amazing. And, and you can't ever see it all. In, for all of eternity, you go, you look at different, man, there's some more. I mean, I, that's what I want. I want, I, I, want to, I want to believe and hope and live like that's what he has in store for me. Because you want to know the truth? I believe he has that in store for me. So we have a new world to live in, and we have a new way to live in it. Revelation 21, 3 through 7 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. The residence of God is among human beings, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will not exist anymore. No mourning, no crying, or pain, for the former things have ceased to exist, and the one seated on the throne said, hey, look, I am making all things chaos new. Then he said to me, write it down, because these words are reliable 
and true. And he also said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who is thirsty, I will give water free of charge from the spring of the water of life. Now, we got this new world, and we got a new way of living in it, all right? It says that God will be with us. He will live with us. Now, he lives with us now to a degree. The Holy Spirit indwells us. He's everywhere. That's true, but this is up close and personal. We're living with God in our presence. I mean, we can't even wrap our minds around it because, listen, there's no Satan There's no sin, there's no curse, there's no death, there's no sorrow, there's no pain. Everything, anything ever created, ever existed that was bad, it does not exist. And everything good that we've ever known, listen to me, everything good that we've ever known plus good things we know not of because we have not experienced them, because we live in a sin-fallen world, all of that is right there in this place, in this new world, with this new city there with it. Sometimes we get the wrong idea of heaven. I, I, I remember when I was a kid and I was in that little church, and, and you, you know me. I mean, I'm wired, okay? And I remember hearing people say, yeah, one day in heaven, we're just going to be singing to Jesus forever. And I'm thinking, I don't even like this singing. I don't even think the people singing like it. When I look up to the choir, they look sad. I think they all came from a funeral, okay? And we're just going to sing like this for all of eternity. I mean, I didn't want to go to hell, but that didn't sound a whole lot better. And, and why? Because we painted the wrong picture of heaven. We embraced the wrong idea of what heaven is. The, the, the author of Far Side cartoons or comics, Gary Larson, painted it, drew it well. He showed a man in heaven, a little halo on him, and he's sitting on a cloud. And the caption says, I wish I had brought a magazine. You ain't going to need no magazines in heaven, okay? It's... It's amazing. Heaven is amazing. Heaven is amazing. And he has built that for those who are in Christ. And he wants us to be a part of that. Not before last, I went to a funeral. My aunt was 86 years old. And I was thinking about it because she she lived a, a life that experienced a lot of hurt. Back when I was a kid, I had a cousin named Tim. He was about 13, and he was going to a birthday party, and he walked out in the street, and he got hit by a car, and, and she lost her son, my, my cousin. You, you, we can't even really imagine. You never get over that. She lived with that. And then several years later, her husband was diagnosed with a disease, and, and he died. She's lived with a lot of hurt. And uh, she went on to be with the Lord. And I just, you know, I was thinking about that. There's none of that. That's over. That chapter is completed. It is, it is no more. N- nothing. No bad, no more. That's what our eternity looks like. And, and, and when you read the description of this city, which I believe this is where we'll live, uh, and this is where we'll serve, I believe this is where we'll stay, and this is where, where we'll run and play, Okay? I'm telling you, man, I'm 56 years old. I think we've lost our sense of adventure. You know when you're a kid, you know how to play? I go back to places sometimes. I played as a kid, my brothers and I do, and we're disappointed. Because when we were little, man, it was big. And now you go back, you go, this is it? They come in and replace what we knew because we lose our sense of adventure. 
I believe in heaven we're going to have a sense of adventure. Listen, the Bible says that in the new heaven and the new earth, the lion and the lamb will just lay down together, okay? Small children will play by the hole of the serpent, okay? And I was like that. I, I was thinking about in early service, you know what I'm going to do when I get to the new world? I'm going to come out of my dwelling place, which is somewhere in this cube. Like I said, I hope it's right up here. But I'm going to shoot myself. The gates are open 24-7. That's what the Bible says. The gates are always open. I'm going to come out of that gate, and on the way out, I'm going to say, Jesus, where you got the lions hanging out at? Lions, L-I-O-N, lions, where are they hanging out at? I'm going to find the biggest one I'm finding. I'm just going to hug it. I just think that'd be cool. Here, kitty, kitty. Come here, you. Now, that's, 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 that, that, that sounds silly, but I'm telling you, we can't imagine or ponder the amazing nature of the heaven that God has prepared for those that Jesus has redeemed. And I look forward to it, and I'm excited about it, and you can laugh at me till, all, till lunchtime about me hugging a lion. I'm telling him, I'll hug me one, okay? Now, that's the world that he has prepared for us. Revelation 7, 17 says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. We're coming out of here, and we're going into here. And he says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isaiah 25, 8 says, And he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all of the earth. And so to John Lennon, I would say, and anybody that follows him, imagine that. Because it's bigger than what his idea was. And that whole idea of people living in peace and harmony, oh, it's coming. But it doesn't look like what he wrote. It looks like what God wrote. And so how do we move forward into this amazing city? How do we move forward? What does it do for our Life. He says those who inherit this are conquerors. Those who are conquerors will inherit this. Am I a conqueror? Only in Christ. When you read the Bible and you do your research, conquerors are always considered those who are in Christ because he conquers for us. So this, is, if you're a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have something like this. And I know this is simple, but you have something beautiful like he has described waiting for you. And then he goes on, and I want to show you the last point in Revelation 22. It's a new warning not to miss this new thing. This is the one that smoked me. It's like Ashlyn said when she was uh, on that song, you know, the, he's calling me. He keeps calling us, man. He's in the last chapter of his counsel, the very last chapter, and he has not stopped inviting sinners to come into his presence. I'm telling you, man, that's a loving God. He never gives up until the very end. Listen what he says in verse 12 of chapter 22 of Revelation. He says, look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to pay each one according to what he has done. 13 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. 
Blessed are those who wash their clothes so they can have access to the tree of life and can enter into the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. He says, everybody's invited who has washed their robes in the blood of Jesus, those that are redeemed. Outside of this is everybody else who have rejected Jesus and embraced the false theology presented by the devil. Verse 16 says, I, Jesus. Now, this is how serious he's in his last address, God's last address through his eternal word to us. He wants to make it very clear, as Romans would say, one day we stand before God and we are without excuse. He says in Romans, he says, the invisible nature of God has been revealed through the visible uh, nature of creation. So we are out without excuse. He says right here, he says, I, Jesus, first of all, I'm telling you, I love you. I want you to come. I'm coming quickly. I want you to be a part. He tells you personally. Number two, he says, I have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. He says, I sent an angel to speak to you in this book. Then he goes on. He says, and the spirit and the bride, they all say, let the one who hears say, come. Jesus says, listen, I've told you. I've sent an angel to tell you. I've sent, uh, I've sent the Holy Spirit to tell you. I've sent the church and its preachers and its saints to tell you. And he said, their message is all the same. Jesus is coming soon and you are invited to partake in life, in what he offers in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Then he says this, let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wants it take the water of life free of charge. The one, the one, the one. When I got saved, when I was a 10-year-old boy, I kind of thought the invitation was general. Like, hey, everybody, you can come and be saved. And it's only recently really set into me that in that moment, it sounded general, but it was specific. The God of the universe looked into the depth of my sinful little heart, and he invited me. To partake. And when he says right here, you, 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 he's talking to you. Sure, he may be speaking to the person beside you, and you may feel like they need it worse than you do, but he's talking to you. In particular, up close and personal, he's saying, hey, I love you right where you are. But I love you way too much to leave you there. Won't you come to me and let me wash you whiter than snow in the blood of Jesus, my son. And I will make you a new creature and get you ready for a new world. And the best is yet to come. Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No greater question will you ever ask yourself or will you ever consider than this. What have you done with Jesus?
Has Jesus been received into your life for salvation? Or is he just a character from the Bible that you've heard preached on? Is is Jesus your Savior and your Lord and your King? Are you ready for this new world? Or are you somewhere out there in a fog, separated from the greatness of God because of your response to Jesus? If you're here today and you know deep in your soul the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart to be saved today, I want you boldly to raise your hand and say, that's me, this is my day. No more games, no more religion. No more checked boxes. This is my day where I allow Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. Okay? I don't see any hands. It's good news in a way that everybody is saved. Man, that's good. But the bad news is there's a broad road to destruction out there of lost people. Why did you not care enough to bring them today? To to give them an encounter with the truth that has set you free. My prayer is for our church that our heart breaks for lost people. My prayer is that every one of you begins to have a passion and a burden about the reality that the end is coming and we hold the solution and it changes the end into a brand new beginning. You carry that in you as a believer prayers that you'll share it with the world. Lord God, we thank you for being so good all the time. We thank you for being an amazing God beyond anything we can conjure up, beyond anything we can imagine. You're out there, but in your out there-ness, in your holy greatness, you still choose to love us unconditionally, sacrificially, and eternally. So God, help us just cherish the reality that you started a new creation in us when your Holy Spirit came in and saved us and sealed us. And God, you're preparing us for a new world and a new life. And I know, God, I've done a pitiful job describing something so great. But God, I pray that seeds will be planted and we will embrace what a beautiful thing you just keep on doing and you will do it for eternity because you're God and there is no other we pray all these things in Jesus name